the quantum mechanics. Yes, we're the quantum mechanics. We're the paranormal podcast for the believers, doubters, and everyone in between. How are you doing this week, Bert? Oh, you know, I could be worse. I mean, I wish the world was in a better state, but yes, yeah, I'm fine. There's a, there's a lot going on in the world. I hope everyone's uh, staying safe out there or as safe as they can be. But yes, no, it is a bit... The 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 paranormal feels like a nice relief from it for me today. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, and also, uh, anyone that obviously knows us we both know we have dogs my my dog i don't think i mentioned it had an operation on his paw and that has made him quite needy so he follows me everywhere so i do apologize to listeners if you can hear a faint dog snore in the background because he won't leave my side he's got a little bandaged left front paw and um he just requires lots of uh hugs and fuss and just follows me into the studio so and, and i can't i'm not going to wake him up because um yeah, it's just dogs but look um following on from last week and this takes me into this week's episode in a kind of a neat segue but you'll see why you spoke about goat man last week i did i did on the island the on one the who, island yeah the one who could chuck tires and look like candy floss or flames but yes indeed i like that story that's right well this goat man story this is an update from the last week and it takes me back to the place that we keep talking that about that we will go back to because it seems to host all the paranormal phenomena in at least england uh in the uk you're talking canic chase aren't you i'm talking canic chase <laughs> And this is a headline from Birmingham Live that was published on the 24th of February. Um, and it, it concerns, well, they don't call it Goat Man. They go for another direction. They call it Man Goat. Oh, well, it's because the Americans have already got Goat Man. There's a copyright issue, I reckon. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yes, yes. So, so wait, so this is, this is sounding like you're going to tell us a story of a cryptid very like the one we talked about last week but that one was in america and this one is in can it chase is that that's right that's exactly right yeah wow so uh and the derivation of this the place that it was reported uh, and i'll explain why that's important after i tell you the story comes from mum's net the place where normally people talk about like nappies and healthy snacks but in this case, it was uh, a large man goat, and so so let me tell you t- tell you about this story. So this is uh, I'm just going to tell you the report from Birmingham Live, yeah. and if you know our show, and if you think way 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 back, um, probably a year and a half ago, we had the former editor of Birmingham Live on the show because he was talking about uh, the werewolf sightings. Yeah, he spent. He was the journalist who spent a night at Cannock Chase with uh, a lot of fresh steak, trying to find the werewolf. Right? That's, That's probably right. The th- it's probably second or third episode we ever did. I think. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. We did Nicky, and then yeah, yeah probably him. So um, the report from Birmingham Live says 
A driver has reported seeing a mysterious creature described as a large man-goat on his hind legs crossing a Midlands road late at night. The bizarre sighting happened on the A425 between Upper Shuckborough, Warwickshire and Staverton, Northamptonshire in the early hours of February 20th and has triggered online discussions about what it might have been. Northants Live reports that local residents are spooked by the reports which first came to light on Mumsnet. Yeah, Mumsnet, there we go. Where a forum user discussed his encounter with the unknown animal and is keen to identify what he saw. He dismissed any suggestions that it might be a Sasquatch or Slenderman saying those things don't exist. So he's he's obviously bringing a degree of credibility to the story. And he's obviously got some a bit of cryptid knowledge. Absolutely, yeah. Was it Slenderman? No, those don't exist. Yeah, so for God's it, sake. So so it's goat a, man? It's a yeah. seven foot goat man. <laughs> Pull yourself together. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. What are you talking about? In the initial post, the mystery uh, the motorist detailed what he had seen. We had been away for a few nights and travelled back quite late. Towards the end of our journey, this was about 2am, we were driving along the A road in a rural area when something crossed the road in front of us in full headlights for about three seconds. It was the height of a person, maybe six feet or over. Well, it's not, not, not me. Not quite seven. Yes, some people, yeah, I mean, sure. Uh, but it had short, powerful legs and hips which seemed to move in a circular, fluid fashion. It was not a deer because it stood on two legs. You've said that. This was in the Midlands, and the area is traditional rolling fields and woodland. In this particular spot, there are no houses or buildings. The nearest are over a mile away. So that is the extent of the, the meat of the report. Well, can I can I just stop you there? The, the thing that's interesting me about the timing of this is uh, that would have been just after the storms we had, wouldn't it? Twenty fourth. Mm. Yes, it would. Uh, well, so he saw it on the twentieth. When were the storms? Uh, well, no, you're right because we're currently recording on the twenty seventh. Seventh. So the storms, uh, so yeah. That we, would have yeah, been in yeah. the height of the storms. The height of the storms, yeah. Because it's weird, there's a place that uh, Ben and I have bumped into each other, somewhat jotty, um, which is a wood. And I drove past there the other day and it was closed because so many trees had come down. And I just started to think, Cannock Chase is a wooded area, storm damage could have disturbed cryptids' habitat. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Interesting ma- timing, I think. The the man goat is um he's he's fleeing the um the trees. Yeah. 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 I I I particularly like the description of short powerful legs which seem to move in a circular fluid motion. It's kind of cartoonesque, isn't it? It's kind yeah. of Yeah. 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 Uh yeah, no, I I like it, and I also like the fact that it's like somebody said, could it be a deer? Uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't a deer because it stood on two hind legs. Yeah. So, yeah. And it wasn't but, a slender man because... Because slender man doesn't exist. But goat man, obviously he does. So, but, so do we know um, 
I mean, it's quite a big area, isn't it, Cannock Chase? Yeah, I, it is. I yeah. Do, uh, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see where this sits in terms of the other kind of cryptid sightings and things we talked about all those uh, all that year or so ago well, when we looked it, at stories in Cannock Chase because it yeah interesting. Well, it it seems like a lot of the cryptid sightings around there revolve around these entities crossing roads so i i brought up that um that werewolf sighting where there was that um sort of dog-like thing which ran between cars and then got on its hind legs and ran up the side of a a a motorway was that the m6 on the m6 or something that's right yeah on the m6 yeah so all of these roads are exactly around that area yeah so yeah i just thought that was um that was an interesting update and it might turn into a future sort of update where we call it mango goat man update yeah um, i like it i like it and also we need to get out there we need to go and spend the night in canic chase i was just worried enough about the werewolves now i've got to worry about the mango as well so we've got werewolves we've got black-eyed kids we've got ufo sightings and now we've got the mango. I'm, I'm slightly terrified of going. I know you're, you're desperate to go down there with a poo bag and see if we can pick something up. But, yeah, we're going to have to do it, aren't we, and soon. We've got no excuse left, have we? No, no. We All the um, all the lockdown restrictions have gone. We can we can go there. Like, the more... Now it becomes real. I'm like, well, I am slightly worried. But at the same time, like, goats... Nah, goats, wolves, more worrying, more worrying. Um, maybe, maybe that was it. Maybe the the man goat or the goat man had basically gone. Oh, lockdown restrictions are over. I'm taking off my mask. <laughs> I'm going for a walk on the motorway. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like a run. Yeah, but I, I hope I hope he socially distance is when we go down. <laughs> he he's probably like all about. He, you know like he he wants to keep a distance but he wants to interact and yeah, i think that's yeah. probably what it was about love that story though well so that because i was sort of i was in two minds about which way to go and i followed that story and i thought that's really interesting and then i went and found the original thread on mumsnet and then i discovered that Mumsnet actually has quite a lot of people who start um, paranormal threads, ah. and there I didn't was know a, that. no, no, nor, nor did I. It's not a forum that I normally um, yeah. go onto. Like, if you're not familiar with it, it's literally a parenting thread. And as I only have a a, a small, slightly disabled spaniel, it's not a place I go, but. When I went into it, this gave me the topic for this week and it opened up a world of interesting possibilities that I hadn't... Uh, it, it wasn't the direction I was going to go down, but then it turned into... So there's a thread called Does Evil Exist? Uh. And I thought, oh, actually, that's a very interesting idea. And so it started with some Mumsnet posts and then... Obviously, my research took me elsewhere. 
But I thought I would tell you a couple of the Mumsnet posts, which were kind of, okay, this is this has got me into the topic, and I'm going to take it elsewhere. So okay. the idea is, as I say, does evil really exist? And I suppose be, below that is the uh, the conversation of what is evil. And I guess that is open to people's interpretations and I guess there would be religious interpretations and philosophical interpretations. But if we just take it as the, I suppose, um, the interpretation that we could probably all accept over a dinner table of something that is really, really bad and only exists to cause harm and degradation to others, right? Right, okay. So um, I picked out a couple of really kind of, I think, sinister posts and I've praised them for your delights today. Excellent. So so one of the posts said, so bearing in mind the question is, have you ever encountered pure evil? Somebody said, not as such, but on the way home from work one night when I was about 22... I walked past a lady sitting on a bench at the end of the street. It was about 9pm and it was dark and I immediately knew that she was pure evil. It was totally instinctive. Something about her was all wrong. I walked past and as soon as I did so, she immediately stood up and began following me directly behind. I crossed the big main road and so did she. There was a petrol station on the other side, so I went in. Assuming she'd just wander off. No, she walked in right behind me. As she hadn't actually done anything, there wasn't really anything I could say to the cashier to say I was scared. And as this was pre-mobile phone era, I couldn't talk to anyone. So I had no choice but to walk out of the petrol station, straight down a really long, quiet road, with her following, step by step. I could hear her breathing, she was so close, and it felt like the kind of nightmare where you're walking down a road but getting nowhere. Eventually I got to another main road and the station, so I absolutely legged it across, sprinted down to the trains and jumped on. I called the police when I got home and they did a search of the area but didn't find her. A few days later, we heard that a girl had been murdered by a man dressed up as a woman about a mile from where oh. I'd been followed. I'm convinced it was the same person. I still get shivers when I think about it over 20 years later. And I thought that was a really wow. powerful story. Yeah. And yeah. I can imagine how that would stay with you. Yeah, because it, it's... Well, it's interesting, because I was thinking when you first started describing it, um, like how could you walk past somebody and just go I knew they were pure evil but it as the as the way the story progressed it's almost like even though in the dark or whatever you might not know it's a man dressed up as an old woman something probably was off for you in your subconscious or your yeah. visual interpretation of it we've often talked about that haven't we kind of almost extreme paranormal stuff yeah. Could be your brain interpreting it or or or, or like screen memory, I guess. A bit like screen memory. You kinda you know something's off, but you you're not quite seeing it the way it really is. That's wow. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and I think what it also says it's kind of that um 
a lot of the topics we talk about, we sort of say, oh, you know, I, I had um, a reason to turn around because I felt someone was watching me. There's that innate sort of um, ability within the human psyche which means that you're able to look at these things and that to be fair is kind of what that thread was about if i if i tell you another you'll sort of you'll you'll get you'll get where they're coming from yeah um and this is much shorter this person says i haven't met but i was standing opposite a man who was in a small group who made me feel really uncomfortable and his eyes were piercing but also weirdly dead when my husband came back with our drinks i asked if we could move as there was something about this man that made me shiver he was arrested for murder a fortnight later and that's those stories because they come from people who aren't sort of in our topic area if you like they're sort of uh, you know this is a forum as i say for people who you know are discussing like mashed carrots for one-year-olds those i think they they come out with um they're they're really interesting in the way that they portray their stories in that these are things that they have genuinely felt and have affected their lives well what i'm thinking as well which i find quite interesting about it i was talking to somebody uh the other day about it was I mean, I know we don't do true crime stuff or serial killers or any of that stuff, but I was talking to someone about serial killers and the amount of times it comes out where people go, wow, he was just an ordinary guy. I didn't really know. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's like De- Dennis Nielsen, who, I don't know, killed over 19, 20 people. Yeah. Um, you know, he was their trade union rep at the place he worked and everyone said what a lovely man he was you know what i mean yeah yeah so yeah. i th- i think it's interesting you know when you when it, they always seem to be like that it was just the guy next door so i'm really intrigued by those kind of stories where people instinctively know that there's something evil for want of a better word going on yeah but, you know that that does seem some psychic ability at some level even if it's very low grade of just your observations are uh your observational skills are firing on all cylinders rather than anything paranormal with a big or a small p but i i find it intriguing that normally it's well they were just an ordinary guy who would have known where people go there was just something like just something in their eyes thought of black eyed kids while you were talking about it as well. yeah 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 totally totally because yes you're right i was going to bring that up but now you say it yes let's talk about that now because there's those people where yeah they get the knock on the door and it's these children and they're asking if they can use the phone or whether they can help them find their parents and there's something off about it and then they notice the eyes and then they're filled with fear and this felt exactly the same thing and that's what made me kind of go on this journey of you know what is real evil because there's 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 like i suppose when you look at those those two accounts 
like it's obvious that those people felt something wasn't right and wasn't on and yet there are there are many 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 cases where um there are sort of confidence tricksters and stuff who have um bought you know it's usually men on women unfortunately but they've they've sort of convinced them that they would bring them back to their house and you know yeah. do do whatever and well the classic them. one is like was it ted bundy who used to have a fake uh cast for his arm and was trying to put something <sighs> in his boot of his car and said he couldn't do it so he'd get women to kind of help him i think it was ted bundy that was his that was his MO. i think you're right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. there's something about that deception as well isn't it that there's something evil about that level of deception yeah yeah and so this led me to think well i suspect that and and if if we're going on a on a journey in an hour on an audio podcast we're probably not going to hit all the things but i'll end with something which i think will be kind of surprising but you probably think well you know it's possible that these people can pick up on the body language of this like it isn't really usual to be followed into a petrol station by somebody but the idea that they felt this when they walked past them it's kind of like yeah okay that's an interesting thing to think about but if you go deeper into this topic and think about well what what defines pure evil i guess you would say well i'm not saying you i guess one might say um that we could go back to like a demonic thing Mm. because you know you (laughs) you never really come across somebody who's come across a demon who's gone i don't know do you want some shortbread do you want me to do the washing up that's never happened right (laughs) yeah you don't really get people saying about demons you just don't understand their softer side. <laughs> no. <laughs> they are absolutely brilliant at doing wedding dresses yeah. uh, uh, and uh, making racquelette. Yeah. Um, and then this is something I did know about because I went from those those stories. And so, as, as, as you know, I probably indulge more than you in ghost hunting and part of ghost hunting is whether you whether you accept this as part of it or not i have done it and that's ouija boards yeah and i did know that one of the parts about doing a ouija board is you do come up against the possibility of encountering zozo and so i thought i would so this is so Zozo is something that I had read about. There's even been films made about it. And I just thought, do you know what? I don't necessarily put any stay in Zozo. But for those of you who haven't heard about Zozo, I thought it would be worth bringing up here because Zozo is an entity that comes through Ouija boards and is apparently reported all around the world and the origins of Zozo the first time he was reported or he he or she they it I don't know what 
their preferred way pronouns. of being addressed. You know, their preferred <laughs> pronoun. <laughs> Evil, eviler, I don't know. Yeah. Um, is, uh, is, is spoken about. But I was always worried about it because I had read a few sort of apocryphal stories, I suppose. Um, but apparently Zozo has a preferred style of communication, which is via threats through the planchette. So when you're... I, I thought you were going to say via the medium of mime. <laughs> well, it's sort of mime. It's sort of mime. <laughs> but that would mean he would have to manifest. Yeah. Or she would have to... But They would well, have to that's, that's That's why they don't come through very often. It's quite difficult for them to manifest. <laughs> they're invisibly pretending they're in a glass box all the time well well of course when when you do a ouija board one of the first questions you ask is can you tell me your name and obviously the dreaded z-o-z-o is something that happens but I wanted to look back and because I was like, this was never a thing. So my my parents warned me off Ouija boards when I was younger and Zozo never came up. And then uh, when I looked into it, I was like, oh, OK. So this first came to the fore, really, if you like, in uh, 2009 uh, in a public message board in a post written by a guy called Darren Evans. And so what he wrote there about his experience with Zozo became uh, a horror film. It became an episode on Ghost Adventures on the Travel Channel and it spawned a whole load of internet lore. And that's why I thought, hmm, if it spawned all of that, there is somebody making some money. It's always, it's like politics, in yeah. paranormal, you've got to follow where the money comes from, right? Yeah, yeah. But it did seem like, okay, I've heard about this. I have heard anecdotal stories from people who are not connected to the media who have had encounters with Zozo. But Evans, uh, he then proclaimed himself to be a Zozoologist. <laughs> yeah, I know. And he penned a book called The Zozo Phenomena in 2016 and then became like a steadfast guest on podcasts and horror sites and stuff. I wonder if there was any kind of misidentification of him that he ended up on a podcast, somebody saying, yes, well, at our zoo, <laughs> we have a chameleon with a very sore leg. What would you advise? No, <laughs> I'm a zozoologist. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? I? The more I looked into it, the more... I thought this is this is one of those cases where I wondered whether it was something that had born out of it's a bit like Slender Man that yeah. had come out of on online forums and was turning into something that wasn't really a thing because there's a whole load of legend that's grown up about Zozo of like being a demon or um 
you, you know, uh, well, essentially being a demon. But um, and that and that demon, from my memory of it, can also almost the backstory can be very different. It's almost like pick a Hammer House a horror theme and kind of do the backstory a kind of deeply demonic religious one an egyptian one that am i right in thinking that that it's almost taken on these different forms yes 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 it it, it sort of absorbs um religious input and uh yeah you're right things from the uh egyptian philosophies and all of that and it becomes like a bit of a mix-up so if you try to find out what Zozo is about, it's really difficult. There's a whole load of stories about, like, oh, well, yeah, when I did the Ouija board and then Zozo came through, then we got poltergeist activity, um, we got um, scratches on our skin. Um, some people claim that it caused some deaths in their family. But the stories don't really link up that well. And so I thought, well, let's move on from Zozo but let's stay a minute with Ouija because the all of the the reason I wanted to stay with Ouija is that there is a whole load of uh, I guess tales and warnings from not just not just my parents and not other people's parents but also from the people I know who are mediums and psychics and stuff. And and again, we are the podcast for the believers, the doubters, and everyone in between. I'm not saying that I take what they say as read, but they have stories about these things. And the people that I know who tell me stories about Ouija boards, who I absolutely know have no interest in the paranormal or whatever, and these are things that they did when they were 15 in boarding schools mm. for a lark, their stories do seem to have parallels and they do seem to mash up. But whether those are things that are evil or not, well, let, 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 let's just go through the next story. So I started looking for more Ouija board stories which didn't involve zozo because i sort of thought well perhaps that's just a commercial thing if i was a if i was a budding author film director i'd probably go down that route a bit a bit creepy pastory absolutely creepy pastorish yes um and then i went to reddit and i thought oh there'll be some stories here and then i found this story with a whole load of comments on the back of it. And this story really speaks to me because when I was about 13 and just messing around with one of my mates called, uh, funny enough, called Peter. Peter. Great name. It's a a great name. Um, I remember, so, like, to set it in context... He was my next door neighbour. His house was a bit bigger than ours and he had probably like three or four rooms to himself and we were uh, we were big into fishing and we just used to hang out because we lived next door to each other, even though we were both 13. Our parents really didn't care about which house we were in. I'd stay at his house, he'd stay at my house. We'd just sort of 
you know, just mess around with fishing stuff. We'd read fishing magazines and we'd watch and listen to pop music. That's what a lot of 13-year-olds did in the mid, uh, mid-80s. And I don't know where it came from, but we kind of got this idea that we would do a Ouija board and... He went, like, I think this is probably misguided. He went upstairs. This would be, like, 7 o'clock, one school night evening, and tried to gather the ingredients, and he confessed to his mum in the kitchen what he was gathering for, and she came down, and I guess you would say she gave us a bollocking and said, you do not want to do this stuff. It's really evil there's bad stuff there and i've done it she described her story it's not my story to describe but it's pretty bad and she said you boys are not doing that you stick with your fishing basically (laughs) and then left us alone and we were like okay fine uh that sounds terrifying uh we're not gonna defy peter's scary mum okay we'll carry on with that after that this is this is full aside between our two houses there was like a um uh, i don't know what you call it like a a space between our two houses so on either side was the oil tank and because we were such keen fishermen we had this plan where uh so we filled a paddling pool with water and put a pool filter in it and caught and caught a whole load of trout out of the river and then we formed a uh, a little business where we would do <laughs> car cleaning and trout delivery. So we <laughs> so we would catch the trout in the evening after school, put them in the paddling pool with the the pond filter. Then at the weekends we'd go car cleaning, and we go. It's a fiver to clean your car, Ooh, but you if want you want a fresh trout, if you want a fresh trout, it they're, they're two pounds each. Yeah. And uh, we got quite a lot of business from that until we got told off for fishing illegally. But that is another story. <laughs> that, that is, I love that idea that you kind of just went, I know what we need. We need a car washing business that's got a sideline of freshwater trout. I just, <laughs> I just saw you pitching that to Dragon's Den. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> On, honestly, we were the richest 13-year-olds because so many people went for it. And yeah. we were good at car cleaning. There's another story in there, but uh, I'll come to that another time. But so I went into Reddit to find some true Ouija board stories because I thought, like, I want I want third-party input into this. It can't just be my story. And then I found this one, which I found so compelling and reminiscent of what Peter's mum told me. And I've I've cut it down, so there are... This is a pricey of what this person said. When I was 14, me and my best friend at the time got a Ouija table and decided to play with it a bit. We got into a dark room at my place, lit some candles and started the bullshit. I'm, I'm going to censor the uh, the swears because this is full of swears, but okay. we, we can go with bullshit. Another friend of ours knocked on the door and uh, they came in and we tried to contact the spirits. Uh, 
This third person kept mocking as we tried to get the supernatural messages when all of a sudden she passed out. We thought she was joking, but then she opened her eyes and started to talk with a voice that wasn't hers. It was damn scary, but we were still but we still thought she could be playing with us. Then she laughed, and it was a horrible laugh, and started to retell stories of things that happened to me that I never said to anyone, and she also did this to my friend. Candles started flickering, and the flames went a bit too high for my sceptical being not to shiver in spite of myself. My best friend ran out of my place straight to her neighbour. When the women... When the woman who was her neighbour came to my place and saw her friend, saw our friend, she gasped and told us not to help bringing this girl to her place. So this is bad language, but what she's saying is, don't bring your friend into my house. Not before getting some scratches by not allowing her to get undressed in daylight, calling some men that were looking at us as we marched past. Once there, she locked herself with the girl in a room and told us to wait outside. So again, the language is really bad. What she's saying is this girl is basically standing at a window, like trying to rip her clothes off whilst her two friends are getting covered in scratches and they're getting terrified. She says, I don't know what happened, but after a couple of hours, our friend came out. She was very tired and didn't remember remember anything after we let her in and started to play with the Ouija table so I thought okay that's interesting so it's basically somebody who's come into uh, a place with two friends has decided to join in on a Ouija board experience and then to all intents and purposes she's been possessed that's what she's saying that's what it sounds like right it is and so I thought, oh, this is, uh, this is an interesting thread to pull on. And then I found this story on Reddit, and this one really got me thinking, okay, so if we're on the quest of true evil, this is an amazing story, and I just have to relay it. So this person says they were in ninth grade, this is about six years ago so this this reddit post is a few years old so they're probably in their late 20s now i had a best friend let's call her ashley well ashley didn't have the very best upbringing she lived in wisconsin and she always told me about how when she was around the age of eight her house had been caught on fire Again, (laughs) I have to correct the English on all this stuff. Her house caught on fire. She ended up making it out with her father and brother, but her two younger sisters and mother died. She always told me about how she always felt something following her. I would be on the phone with her late at night and I would hear her scream and then I would hear a thud. She would come to school the next day with bright red handprints around her ankle from where something yanked her off the bed. My first thought was that this was abuse from her father or maybe even her brother. As time went on and I really got to know her father and brother, I spent weeks over there sometimes, I came to the conclusion it couldn't be them. If either of them were home at any point, uh, 
the uh, sorry, the language goes a bit weird here. The uh, they were high and asleep on the couch. So basically, what she's saying is, her father and her brother they're kind of stoners. Um, they yeah. they are they're asleep on the couch. They're a bit That's out what of she's it. Saying. They're a bit out of it. When I would be over there, weird things would happen. I would get something to drink in the middle of the night, and I would cut the kitchen light off, start back down the hallway, and the light would flick back on. There was only like one light switch at the edge of the kitchen and the living room, and I would quickly turn around, and no one would be there. And this is where the experience gets really chilly. One night, it was me, Ashley, and our friend... And I'm going to call him Ellie. It's not his real name. And we were at Ellie's house. Everything was going fine. Um, Ashley had fallen asleep, head on my lap. Ellie and I were watching something on TV. Uh, I can't remember what it was. Out of nowhere, about an hour into her sleep, Ashley got really cold. I covered her up and it didn't seem to help. About 15 minutes later, she shot up and took a rather large breath of air. She then got up off the bed and started walking down the hallway. Ellie and I were confused, but didn't think much of it. She came back about a minute later with a butcher's knife and stood at the edge of the door with the knife just staring. So this, this is like, when I read this story, I was like, okay, so this is a proper horror movie. This is a thing. Yeah. We then proceeded to freak out just a little bit, and there is proceeds the conversation between them. So Ellie, who's the, the boy there, he says, What do we do? You and her always talk about this. Do we line the door with salt or something? I said, I don't know, dude. Maybe just try it. Ellie says, Okay. And so their male friend starts to line the doorway with salt. And then he says, look, she hasn't moved an inch. Should I call someone? And I said, no, we don't need the police now. Then uh, someone else comes into the picture. So this is uh, a brother who lives in the house. He's called Jake and he's much younger. He comes down and says, what's going on? And Ellie says, get back to your room and shut the door. And... Uh, he's like okay and then there's this whole thing where this girl starts behaving really really strangely Ellie walks towards Ashley and her gaze turns to his he freaks out and jumps into the bathroom and locks the door so now we've just got the two girls and their male friend who's in the bathroom and the girl who appears to be possessed starts clawing at the door of the bathroom and we all just sit there she says like nobody says anything and this clawing goes on for about five minutes and then she starts ashley starts shouting ellie 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 and at this point ellie's freaked out and he has no idea what to do at this point, the possessed girl blows the salt away and her description is 
and this is not suitable for younger listeners she says she backwards fucking crawls into the room snatches a fucking recliner out of her way then grabs a necklace she had lost about a week prior that we'd all looked for and the necklace was an upside down cross black on some black coloured chain then she backwards crawls down the hallway and out of the house we all sit there in shock silence for about 30 minutes after I finally muster all the courage possible I take off after her Jake and Ali and Ellie uh, follow suit we search for about an hour and can't find her now we go back inside and call her dad keep in mind this is 3am and he doesn't answer the phone Ellie, Jake and I gather in Ellie's bedroom. Confused about what to do, we just sit there and at some point fall asleep. I'm the first awake. I walk down the hallway and turn into the kitchen. I glance right and their front door was wide open. Then I look down. Ashley was asleep on the threshold of the door. I quickly wake her up and she freaks out. How did I get here? I remember laying down with my head on your lap watching TV. What happened? And I say, well, this is a long story. And she, f- she follows this up by saying, I don't know if I encountered a demon or something from nature, but this night changed my beliefs really quickly. I didn't spend the night in this house for a long while. So this is... What I really like about this is it's a story about a number of teenagers who are spending the night in a house away from their parents who've gone out. And this is the time when we all like get into Ouija board stories and stuff. Mm. And then one of their friends starts acting weird. And I would say like when I was growing up in like, you know, late 80s, early 90s, you could probably put that down to you know, drinking too much vodka. But the thing that really gets me here is is that absolutely horrific backwards crawling into a room. It's like that something is, out of The Exorcist, isn't it? Yes, it's terrifying. It's yeah. terrifying. And, and I think the other thing that is sort of interesting about it is that this is a a Reddit thread which is quite well written despite the fact that when when you copy it and retell it <laughs> you have to you have to re- change some of the words but there's there's like the, there's no money in this there is yeah. no uh there's no IP in this this is a thing which appeared to really happen to somebody and i find that extraordinary I think you've picked up on the bit that struck me because while you were telling the story, I was thinking about it and the previous one and, yeah, kind of teenagers and, uh, you know, freaking themselves out with Ouija boards and almost... It reminded me early on of when we talked about the nuns who started meowing and... Oh, yeah, yeah. we've We've talked about... Things similar to that. There was well, there was a thing we did on Mass Hysteria where a whole town basically started dancing and they danced for 
days on end. And, you know, there is something about, I started thinking about that kind of angst of teenagerness of kind of maybe not being able to express yourself properly or or to the degree that you want to and it almost comes out in some ways yes so like yes. a possession is almost a psychological expression of this stuff of you feeling like you're being confined or you know as teenagers would but it's that walking almost spider-like the way you described it yes where you go well, that does take it to another level of something more than something psycho psychological yes yes but before I get into my final uh, story, I think that is the thing that really is intriguing because that has become a trope of horror movies. That yeah. um, be, because there's that thing where um, so there's either the crawling backwards but facing the floor, yeah. or the more terrifying crawling forwards but you're on your you're yeah. on your almost, back. Almost like a crab. Like a crab, yeah. yes. Yeah. And a lot of the ghost stories that you hear, like, again, I've mentioned um, Jim Harold's Campfire a lot. Yeah. You hear that a lot when people say, oh, and I saw this thing and it was, it was coming backwards. And, and those are tropes that we see in a lot of horror movies. And there is that sort of worry that what we're doing is taking fictional things and sort of Manifesting. reinterpreting them yeah. into reality yeah yeah and that is possibly true of that story i yeah. obviously because i picked that up off reddit i didn't i don't i can't give any veracity yeah. but it does it does speak to me about a lot of people who have anecdotally told their stories to me about demonic possession and Ouija boards. Yeah. And the, and the reason to be clear, if you're listening to this, that I haven't, I included that rather than those is because those stories, their stories don't tend to have a beginning and end. They sort of say that, you know, they tend to be very short. They're sort of anecdotal. They're like, oh, yeah, I remember when we did a Ouija board and my friend went weird and she passed out. And then when we found her, she was in this weird position. And But there's nothing of real substance. That story to me sort of summed up a number of the anecdotes that I'd heard. Yeah, and phenomena. Do you, do you yes. want to know something quite weird as well? I mean, maybe this is more to do with my Google algorithms than anything else. Um, while you've been talking, I, I had a thought in my head. I went, I'm pretty sure on British TV you're not allowed to show someone doing a Ouija board. Like in a documentary, I think it's fine in kind of movies. So I wasn't sure. So I Googled Ouija board on TV uh, and it pulled me up an article and what's quite weird about the article this is from 2017 it said so it made me think oh well okay you can use ouija boards ghost hunter to use ouija board to contact terrifying black-eyed kids ch child for spooky new tv show second line the black-eyed kids of canuck chase <laughs> ah okay so that's quite weird. I just Googled Ouija board on TV and we started this episode off by talking about 
the goat man of, of Canic Chase, nothing, and Black Eyed Kids, nothing to do with Ouija boards. But maybe that is to do more with my Google search because I would have Googled Canic Chase a fair bit over the over the years. But it's quite weird that that came up. So I do know that uh, because I've I've made a few uh, paranormal shows for TV. If you at the beginning say that this show is for entertainment purposes only. You can do it. You can do it. You The other way you can do it that Most Haunted used and the Channel Living TV used was that you can say that this is part of a scientific investigation. So uh, when Most Haunted, when they were broadcasting TV shows on mainstream television... When they did a Ouija board, at the beginning of the show, they would introduce a, a credible research team like a Kieran O'Keefe or, right. or something. Right. And, and you're able to do it that way. What you're not able to do with Ofcom Law is just kind of go, uh, well, you, you know, here's a Ouija board we'll and you don't know happens. whether... Yeah, yeah, and it's sort of like, we're not going to get into it now, but it all sort of stems from the BBC Ghost Watch right. TV show and the changing changing rules and stuff like that. I thought it was weird, though, that that's the story that I got that involved Black Eyed Kids, Canet Chase and Ouija Boards. They all came together, weirdly. I wasn't looking for that, but that was my top search. So all of that is is very well. But if we're going to go and talk about what evil is i guess where we have to go is ask about what possession is because that's what those stories really infer it's possession and there isn't as far as i'm aware as far as my research and i've been looking into this for let's say 30 years i don't see a case of a a possession where it's nice it's not there's never a possession where it's like yeah oh well let's make a pie and plant, plant flowers it's never that it's never like a steve martin film is it no 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 and, and it always seems like it's a bad thing and what i wanted to do to finish this uh this episode was look at is there anybody with credibility who has looked at possession and found it to be real? And it turns out there is. Ooh. So there's a there's a guy called Richard Gallagher, and he is a board-certified psychiatrist and a professor of clinical psychiatry at New York Medical College. And he's also written a book on demonic possession called demonic foes and when you when you look at what some of his interviews i'm just going to give you a little bit of a quote he says for the past two and a half decades and uh, and over several hundred consultations i've helped clergy from multiple denominations and faiths to filter episodes of mental illness which represent the overwhelming majority of cases from literally the devil's work. Now, I, 
I need to sort of say, so that is, I think that is the first interesting comment. And if he's saying it's the devil's work, we have to look at whether he is a practicing Catholic or whether he's looking at this Mm -hmm. from a very even plane. And I do have to insert here that he is a Catholic and that might change the way that you think about this evidence. But he is also that medical person that I have previously referenced. So just bear that in mind as we go a little bit further. It's an unlikely role for an academic physician but I don't see these two aspects of my career in conflict. The same habits that shape what I do as a professor and psychiatrist, open-mindedness, respect for evidence and compassion for suffering people, led me to aid in the work of discerning attacks by what I believe are evil spirits and, just as critically, differentiating these extremely rare events from medical conditions. It is possible to be a sophisticated psychiatrist and believe that evil spirits are, however, seldom assailing humans. Most of my scientific colleagues and friends say, no, it isn't, because of their frequent contact with patients who are deluded about demons, their general scepticism on the supernatural, and their commitment to employ only standard peer-reviewed treatments that do not potentially mislead or harm vulnerable patients. But careful observation of the evidence presented to me in my career has led me to believe that certain extremely uncommon cases can be explained in no other way. Unfortunately, not all clergy involved in this complex field are as cautious as the priest who first approached me. In some circles, there is a tendency to become overly preoccupied with putative demonic explanations and to see the devil everywhere. Fundamentalist misdiagnosis and absurd or even dangerous treatments such as beating victims have sometimes occurred, especially in developing countries. This is perhaps why exorcism has a negative connotation in some quarters. People with psychological problems should receive psychological treatment. But I believe I've seen the real thing. Assaults upon individuals are classified either as demonic possession or as the slightly more common but less intense attacks usually called oppressions. A possessed individual may suddenly, in a type of trance, voice statements of astonishing venom and contempt for religion whilst understanding and speaking various foreign languages previously unknown to them. The subject might also exhibit enormous strength or even the extraordinary rare phenomena of levitation. He or she might demonstrate hidden knowledge of all sorts of things, like how a stranger's loved ones died, what a secret sin she has committed, even where people are at a given moment. These are skills that cannot be explained except by special psychic or prenatural ability. I have personally encountered these rationally inexplicable features along with other paranormal phenomena. My vantage is unusual. As a consulting doctor, I think I have seen more cases of possession than any other physician in the world. And so that 
I thought was fairly extraordinary. I've I've ordered the book. I don't have it yet uh, because this re- research was last week and that book is not readily available, but I have ordered it from a source. And uh, if there are elements of that, I will do a follow-up. I think what's quite... What's, what's interesting to me about that is... It's funny, as you started describing it, I, I thought to myself, I wonder if he does say this is a rare thing, that, you know, it's not like anyone who shows some of these traits, let's say, that we've associated with possession are possessed, that there could be some psychological reason. I think it was good he seemed to acknowledge that. And it was, he. I think from what you were saying, he was saying... But on the rare occasion, I've come across something which doesn't fit the psychological or a medical condition or, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, that was only a precy of his uh, introduction, if you like. And he does go into elements where, where he talks about people being described uh to 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 be visiting places that nobody else knows i think that is that is a really interesting phenomena so it's kind of where the demon says you know to to put it crudely oh well brian is in winchester today and nobody on the team a knows who brian is and uh, B is not expecting that, but then C, they find out that somebody who is known to the person who's called Brian is in Winchester. That's kind of what he is. Yeah, he's Although that's to. that, but that's making me think. As you as you were describing it, was making me think of remote viewing. Yep. Yeah, and certainly our experience, or mine at least, I can't speak for you, but of doing remote viewing was I didn't feel there was anything spooky paranormal or there was anything possession-y or that I was communicating with spirits or anything like that. But it it does make you wonder whether it, it, it possession could in some way, there could be some connection with the similar forces that allow remote viewing to work. And it's not necessarily an evil spirit at all. It's just something we don't understand and maybe too much for our bear of little brain to comprehend what's going on. So we almost create this possession. So yeah. when, when, when he, when you were describing his, his intro, I, th- I thought, yeah, no, it's good. He's not saying anybody who has had one of these experiences is necessarily possessed by a demon that there are psychological and other, other reasons, but it did make me think, well, maybe there is a more psychological or scientific explanation. It's just one we don't understand. And that's similar with things like remote viewing. Yes, I completely agree with you in, in, in that, in there's something that we don't understand. And that sort of brings me back to if we sort of go through, uh, if, if we consider that philosophical question, which I started with, which is, um, does evil exist? Yeah. Then I suppose, like, we can't, the, you know, there isn't a conclusive answer to that. And to, to do that, you have to define what evil means. It's the, it's the parameters of it, isn't it? Because, you know, yeah. 
we t- we talked about serial killers earlier. There are sociopaths and psychopaths exist. We know they do, and they have no moral compass necessary. You know the definition of moral compass, but there is no consequences to their actions for them. Um, so you could deem that as evil. But, you know, could you then go, well, look, actually that that is to do with some kind of mental illness or bad wiring in the brain or whatever it is. So do you exclude that? I think your definition of saying, if you believe the concept of possession, that your whole body and being is that hasn't got any good intentions in it whatsoever... I think that is a good definition of evil. I just maybe there's something in me though that just yeah. doesn't want to believe that to be true. That that could be the case. That yes, people do have mental illnesses or sociopaths, psychopaths, and maybe be possessed for what we think of as something that's possession. But there's almost something in me that wants to explain it away as some other phenomenon that we don't understand and quite can't quite deal with so it manifests itself in something that feels like evil yeah yeah no i i agree but i I suppose where i would counter that is if if you talk about that doctor there and then some of those stories there there aren't any stories as far as i can tell and our audience might find different but i can't find any stories where there is a possession where somebody is like shall we just go and look after stray dogs and plant sunflowers that isn't that isn't a thing but i suppose the the way that somebody might counter that is to say well if you are possessed with a spirit like that who is like shall we just go and you know, go and make soup for all the hungry people. Would that count as a possession? Would people yeah. think well, that would, that was wrong? Well, and would we be talking about it? Or would we be like talking this? about it? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> we just go, oh, well, no. That, well, that's that's an interesting point in itself, isn't it? Of, of uh, let's say, pure good versus pure evil. Yeah. they They feel like very different concepts one of them feels unnatural and one of them feels like well no it's just somebody doing pure good but you could argue that they are two sides of the same coin yeah yeah right right so if somebody does just want to do what we would consider pure good um but they say we're not gonna say they're gonna be oh they must have been possessed (laughs) right gonna go they're a good person Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. So, yeah, if I I was to wake up tomorrow and say, I'm just going to give up my life, I'm just going to look after stray dogs and feed the homeless, people would never say, well, that's possession. And even if you said, well, I've got the spirit of Anne in me, I'm just making this up, this is a purely constructed thing and Anne wants me to feed a hundred people who haven't got a home and I I'm giving up my life to do that people would just go oh that's nice but if you flip it on its head and go 
well, I'm possessed by this demon who calls herself Anne and she wants me to cut the head off a hundred people, then that would qualify as, well, is, Mm. you know, is that person possibly possessed? And I don't know if that changes the, you know, the, the, the topic of the show, which is does pure evil exist? But it does say, well, if pure evil exists, does pure good exist? And mm. I haven't explored that, to be fair, and you're right, and that is something that we should look at. Yeah, I think we should look at it. I mean, I, again, it's pretty hard to do that outside. I guess the closest you get to it off the top of my head is is almost some kind of religious connotation to it, you know. Yes, I think so, possessed. Yeah possessed by angels or whatever yes but, yes um but it would be good to look at it outside of a purely kind of religious connotation which we've kind of done on the evil side it would be good to say well okay but and, and if we come to a conclusion that it is different then in a way if it is some psychological thing or some phenomenon we don't understand uh, weirdly it gives me a little bit of faith in humankind <laughs> that, that we would lean towards being purely good as something natural and integrated into ourselves but see something as being purely evil as almost a third party demonic experience yeah says, yeah that says something good about humanity in a way yeah, I I completely agree with you, but I and I think it opens up two questions about pure evil, which is, uh, I suppose the first one, which always, uh, I guess, confounds me, is in pure evil the the every sort of uh, story that relates to it seems to be that it results in ultimately the killing of somebody or, or the death of somebody and what what motivation would there be for a pure evil entity to kill somebody because what does it bring them it, it, it's almost it feels like a constructed thing because if they're dead then well I suppose it depends on which angle you look at it and whether it's religious or not. But if you come at it from a relig- a non-religious point of view, if you kill somebody, as in that earlier story from Reddit where the girl was holding the knife, if you kill somebody and you don't believe in heaven or hell or any of that, that religious construct, if you kill somebody, what, what benefit does that bring the demon and 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 then you start going into a whole theory about yeah you you know claimed souls and stuff well uh well you could look at it a different way ben you could say that the murder or the death in that scenario is a byproduct so is it an energy vampire is it something like stephen king's it where it feeds off the fear and the the anger or whatever that's being created and actually the death is a just a byproduct of it getting what it wants. If you mm. looked at it that way, that that could be different. 
Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. But then, okay, so the second part is where does that consciousness come from? Because you have to assume it's a consciousness to be able yeah. to do those things. And and you move beyond, Could it? Is it really the consciousness of a dead person? Because is there is there an entity which isn't derived from a human soul i guess i guess that's what it leaves us with it does it does yeah but i like i like the idea of exploring the the flip side let's call it the pure evil and pure humanity maybe i'm (laughs) putting us into a lofty place here the human race but pure good versus pure evil to to explore that pure good in a way that feels like a possessive state rather than a natural state if there are stories like that i think that's a really interesting you know flip side to this discussion yeah i i think you're right i think you're right the 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 one argument that i had written down here when i was researching this when i was trying to find um not an excuse for uh an evil entity but an explanation for it would be oh so if you imagine um let's say let's take a wolf a wolf who is an apex predator in many of the places where it exists let's take humans out of the equation but if a wolf is an apex predator and on if if you are below that apex you are going to be feel like you are persecuted by that wolf it's going to eat you it's going to chase you and it's going to exploit you but if you look at it from the perspective of us as humans which are above that apex predator and we look at it from a i guess what we would call a rational point of view where you have two wolf parents who are trying to feed their young and they go out and they hunt for rabbits and deer and all those things those rabbits and deer are going to feel like these are evil beings who just want to persecute them but from our point of view, we can see that a mother wolf wants to bring back a fresh kill to feed her pups. And we can all get on board with that. We all kind of know, well, wolves are carnivores. They need to do this. And, you know, it's a different scenario. When we see these, these evil spirits coming through, are we just not seeing what is happening with our species is there something else which is which is preying on us which we don't have that elevation to be able to understand i think that's an interesting point yeah which is a bit like the we've often said about the ants looking at the moon or the ants in a porsche right yeah yeah comprehension of what it what it is or you know us taking the honey off bees and killing a few maybe as we're getting the honey out do you yeah. know what i mean we're, we're not that's not an evil act necessarily some people might think it is but it's it, it's not quintessentially meant to be a murderous act but i'm sure some bees do die in the process so yeah 
to those bees, it would be pure evil, wouldn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's exactly right. Not only are they stealing our honey, they're killing us while they're doing it, or some of us. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, actually does lead to the kind of energy vampire type concept, doesn't it? You know, you know, maybe they don't. Maybe they just want to take a bit or take enough that they're not. Yeah. God, we're farming. We're being farmed. <laughs> well. That is the conclusion that yeah. one ends up yeah. with. I mean, there there are a lot of people that talk about how it's possible that demonic entities, and, you know, again, we have to be really careful about that term demonic. I don't mean it in necessarily a religious context. It's just that there are few words that describe what that means without using that word. But yep. if you say, well, you know, we are... Uh, being we're we're having things imposed upon us by demonic entities. What is their reason? They have to have a reason. It can't just be messing around with it. it can't it can't yeah, just yeah. be? Oh well, you know, we thought it'd be really funny to make that person have a knife that night. It has to have a reason. They must be getting something out of it, yeah. and there must be. If they're getting something out of it, that implies that there is a three-dimensional, at least, point to the entity that is getting something out of it. Because the, you know, this is this is a weird concept, but if there was a pub where all the demonic entities get together, they're not just all being evil to each other, are they? They're, they're all peers, so yeah. there must be an understanding of you, you know. They get together and there's something different. And and that that I think is that idea of what does evil mean and where does it come from? Because if you just had it you know, to use that sort of slightly clunky pub analogy, but if they were all evil, they like they would exist in vacuums away from each other because they would have hatred for everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And like, do you know what I mean? Do you, do you think they phone them up and say, Sozo, you're going down the four horsemen tonight? <laughs> no, I've I've gotta I've gotta to speak to John. He's gonna call I'm me on a Ouija ve- board. I'm making a veggie lasagna, not tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, could you imagine demons eating a veggie lasagna? Yeah, yeah that's brilliant. Well, but it does actually it does raise the point of if you go with your um, theory or even the energy vampire idea that we've been talking about, how the hell does a Ouija board fit into all that? Uh, yeah. I'm not expect- that was a slightly rhetorical question. I wasn't expecting an answer. but Well, I know what you mean because... And I think this is an argument that a lot of people on either side of the Ouija board argument use, which is it can't be harmful because you it's just a piece of cardboard and a plastic or glass planchette. And then on, I suppose on the other side, you would have people saying, yeah, but it's the intention. And maybe that is something to do with it because I think me and you, you've said it already I remember my parents saying, and they weren't particularly into the paranormal in any way, shape or form, saying, no, never do that, never do that. 
you know, my my daughter asked me if she could have one for Christmas, and I said I'm not having one of those things in the house. Not that I necessarily believe we're going to get evil spirits coming in, but it's a bit like when we talked about having those kind of eBay, probably spoof kind of Annabelle type dolls in your house. We both went, mm. even though we know they're a scam and that they're not real haunted dolls, I wouldn't have one in my house. So there, maybe there is something about belief in it to any kind of level that makes it powerful. Yeah, I think there is something. There's something about the Ouija board that sets it apart from a lot of other things. And I'm not going to retell the story, but as you all have listened and I've relayed this story a number of times, I had a Ouija Ouija board experience where it referenced a friend of mine that wasn't part of the Ouija board using a name that none of us could have known. I didn't know it, and we had two strangers on the other side of the board, and I still can't explain it. And does it keep me awake at night? No. But does it give me cause for thought? Yeah, it does. But does it it disturb you in the same way that when you drew that picture of Mount Fuji that I had set you as a remote viewing target. Does it freak you out in a similar way or is there something more evil about the Ouija board experience compared to that remote viewing experience? Because they they are two things which arguably are really hard to explain. Yeah, it does disturb me more because... There was, there was a, a display, an, an overt display of knowledge yeah, on the Ouija per, board. And it was personal. I know it wasn't directly personal to you, but it was indirectly personal it, to it, somebody. It, you were personally, you know, was a friend of yours. So. That's right, yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was very much directed at a friend of mine. And it was almost like behind, behind those words you could see a big, evil, grinning Cheshire cat. And that was the disturbing You shouldn't talk about your friend like that. (laughs) (laughs) She'll forgive me. Yeah, I'm sure she will. But but I suppose what it does is bring us back to that thought of... Well, when I think about these things, when I think about is there pure evil and, like, I hadn't really thought about the pure good, but, yeah, that's another thing. If you think about the pure evil and what that means for reality, it does narrow the the conversation. It narrows it down to, so do we believe that there are entities that, do they live in hell? Doesn't matter, really, whatever that is. But are there entities that survive on being purely evil? Or, and I am drawn this way, and I know there are many people who aren't, but I'm drawn towards, does it pull us back into, we are living in a simulated reality, 
And those pure evil things are just pieces of code that went wrong. That makes more sense to me, but maybe that's just because I am trying to bring logic into this because to me there is no logic in bringing suffering to somebody else to enhance your own being but it's possible that that is a thing but it does it all of these things bring me back to simulation or or or, or they're in the simulation because it's some kind of game and they're there to create drama or adverse adverse can't say the word adversity Adversity. yeah yeah Yeah, i think you might be right well i think we should definitely return to the pure good well i think that's what we should do we should do another episode not necessarily next week but at some point to accompany this where we've got one on pure evil and we'll do one on pure good or at least see if there are any stories out there that do not, not you know i'm not saying i'm not saying pure good in terms of acts of kindness but it's almost is there good possession as well as evil yeah i i i think you're right i think that's exactly the way to go about it and the, i i would welcome absolutely as we always do welcome stories from our listeners but i think mm. one of the things that is kind of i suppose it's, you you have to know it before you can you can talk about it is if the if you have experienced something that was completely altruistic from what you believe to be a paranormal phenomena yeah just examine the altruistic nature of it so when i say and we've always said follow the money also follow the emotion and follow the consequences because the emotion and consequences of for example in that story causing somebody to scare their friends by holding a knife yeah um then the conclusion you can never get to a good conclusion but if you if you do on the on the good side if you say oh well you, you know i was i was told by a good spirit that um the butterflies that were flying around my house were evidence that my grandmother was in a good place just think about the emotions that elicit and mm. what comes out of that and also think about if that is a spirit of either your grandmother or somebody, some spirit pretending to, pretending to be your grandmother, what implications that has on your on your life? Did that cause you to not sell the house, for example? So I'm just making these up on the fly. But yeah, yeah. if you say, like, oh, well, I, I was in my grandmother's house after she died and it was covered in butterflies, and you think, oh, well, that was a good spirit. If you decide then, oh, well, I'm not going to sell this house because my grandmother's spirit is here and I can see that in the butterflies and I feel like there's a spirit here, what does holding on to that house mean? Does that mean that you are financially disabled in some way? And is there a downside to that that you hadn't considered which feeds 
some kind of evil entity. I think it's always like boil it down to the absolute facts and then follow the consequences. So in this case, the money is the consequences and follow it back to the root. Because if you did that and you're like, well, I'm going to have to hold on to my grandmother's house. But then you go, well, I'll just rent it out. And then the renters are bad or you need to spend a whole load of money. And that causes anguish and that causes disturbance in your marriage or all of those things. Like, think about that, because that might also be an entity that is trying to feed off those bad things. And and, and I'm not trying to put words in anyone's mouth. I just want to sort of... It's, it's interesting to see it from all those different points of view. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that's what I would definitely say to anyone who any of this is resonating with. We'd love to know your views, either on Twitter or Facebook at TQM Podcast. But specifically, if any of this... Well, actually, I did feel... It's kind of what Ben was saying, but also, you know, I did feel that I was possessed or taken control of in some way by something that made me do something good or that was a different experience to the pure evil that we've been talking about today love to hear any of those stories i think i think the the pure good one from a kind of more possession angle rather than acts of pure goodness will be more difficult one to put together so any help that any of you listening can give us on that we'd much appreciate it yeah very much very much that would be your act of pure good to us. So, so um, brilliant. Oh, well, that was amazing, Ben. Well, it was quite an interesting debate. I wasn't quite expecting us to go down that debate route, but I'm glad we did. And uh, yeah, well, maybe we'll uh, we'll come back to that again very soon on the quantum mechanics, and we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. Just remember, please, every time you like subscribe and review it really really super helps us and anytime that you give us some feedback we will absolutely incorporate it in the show as much as we can um you the audience make this show what it is and keep us keep us going and um Yeah. yeah be like us not haters that's what we say yeah don't be an evil spirit (laughs) see you next time (laughs) see you next time are you the quantum mechanics